Amen. Happy Sabbath, church. Happy Sabbath. We are very, very happy to be with you this Sabbath morning. Um, today feels a little bit different, right? We know that Sabbath is a day of rest, but today as we are um, reflecting on the death and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, we really recognize the power of rest and how Jesus took time to show us that we needed to do that too. Um, this morning I was reminded of John 3:16 that says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not die but have everlasting life." So I want to welcome you to stand with us as we praise this Jesus in whom we put our faith alone. sing this together in Christ alone in Christ alone my hope is found he is my light my strength my song this cornerstone this solid ground from through the fiercest drought and storm what heights of love
you pray with me? God, we are so grateful that though the light of the world was slain by darkness, that he rose again. So Jesus, we are here because you are alive. We stand here today declaring amidst the chaos that you are risen. So I pray for a flood of hope that you would pour over us this morning, Holy Spirit, and that each one who's here in person, each one at home right now would sense your presence close and that you would root us, anchor us into this core reality of our faith that this is not all there is. So we praise you, Jesus. We praise you. We believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, praise team, for leading us. We are ready to celebrate this morning. Are you ready to celebrate? We're going to take a journey together. We're going to take this journey through dramatic reading and through worship and through music and have the opportunity to encounter Jesus together today. So if you are here for the first time, we especially extend a warm welcome to you. We're glad that you are here. Would you just take a moment to grab a connection card from the pew in front of you? We'd love to have you stick that in the offering plate as it goes by, or these boxes in the back can just receive your card very quickly too. We have a few things that I'm going to highlight, and if you miss any details, the Welcome Center to the back at the left, or azurehills.org can help you to refresh on those details. Remember, today is the last day for church directory photos, and you all look beautiful. So please make sure you stop by the fish pond. It's from 10.30 to 1.30, and we would love to get your picture together. Please make sure that you go by and do that. This afternoon, too, at 4.30, out on the backyard, bring your own chair, bring your own instrument, even if that's a kazoo or your voice, um, but bring your own instrument and your own chair, and at 4.30, we're going to have a family sing and praise time, and we're just going to celebrate our good, the goodness of Jesus together today, so we'd love to have you back. If you were here last night in the fellowship hall, you know what a blessing that was to start off with our agape feast, those that were here. It was just such a rich blessing to be together, and this afternoon at 4.30 will be our last uh, gathering for Easter weekend, so we would love to have you there. This next Saturday night, Youth Vespers is at the beach, Corona Del Mar. That's from 2 o'clock to 8 p.m. So it's Sabbath afternoon and going into Vespers in the evening. Then we want to especially invite you to come out two weeks from today, April 30th, for our vision night. 6.30, we're gonna start off with worship, and then we're going to be talking about some very important things about the direction of our church. So we really hope you'll be there. We'll have snacks together, we'll have worship, and then we'll move into a time where your input and your support and your part in this process will matter so much to us. So please come out 6.30, two weeks from tonight on April 30th. Then finally, today we are celebrating a milestone birthday with Sister Esther Jones. Today, Sister Jones pictured here with Elder Ted Jones. Today she turns 90 years old. Would you help me in celebrating Sister Jones? <laughs> Mrs. Jones and Elder Jones, we're so grateful to have you as a part of this Azure Hills Church family, and especially Esther Jones, we hope you have a wonderful, wonderful birthday. Welcome, we are so glad that you are here.
when they crucify my Lord. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they laid him in the Sometimes I feel like shouting glory, glory, glory. Were you there 
rose up from the dead. Were you there? The question that we invite you to ponder, to in be invited into the story, because today we are joining two disciples who had the experience of being there. And so often we think of their story as looking backward. We don't often remember what, it would have ex what they would have experienced it like because they didn't in that moment know or feel the end of the story. So what was their journey like? What was their experience like? We invite you to imagine and to enter the story today. My name is Mary. No, not the Mary you're thinking of. And I'm not Mary Magdalene either. <laughs> I am Mary, the wife of Clopas, also known as Cleopas. We are disciples of Jesus, but that's something that's dangerous to say now, especially in Jerusalem. Like she said, my name's Cleopas, and fortunately we don't live in Jerusalem. We live in Emmaus, about yeah, seven miles down the road. It's close enough you can easily walk to the festivals. I mean, we were just there for Passover. But it's far enough away you can be away from all the noise, the political conflict. And by the way, I know she's introduced as Mary, the wife of Clopas, but she's not known because of me. She's known because she was one of the four women at the cross. She was there. While the most of our menfolk ran and hid, she stayed with Jesus. She watched him die. I don't want to talk about it, Cleopas. It's just too much right now. I can't bear it. Besides, that was a week ago. Everything is completely different now. Our world is literally changed. Jesus, he's... Right, right, everything has changed, but we can't tell you about that yet. We're here in this upper room waiting for everyone else to get here. We're hoping everyone will arrive, eh, even Thomas. We're hoping you will join us. i 
ago we were so excited weren't we Cleopas the road from Bethany to Jerusalem was full of happy jubilant people fathers mothers grandparents young people children even babies do you remember how we stood there holding our palm branches waiting for the Messiah to approach Jerusalem riding on a cult of course our hearts were so full and we knew that this was it we knew this was the moment Jesus would set up a new kingdom, fulfill the words of the prophets, become our king. And of course, we knew it was going to take some time. He'd have to take over the temple. Some other things would have to fall into place. We'd have to take out the Romans, other... Maybe you thought it would take some time. Uh, a lot of us saw prophecy being fulfilled right before our eyes. Here was Jesus riding into Jerusalem, just like the ancient kings of Israel. And did you hear the crowd? They were chanting and singing, Hosanna to the son of David, God save the king. There were people following Jesus from Bethany, 
and an even larger crowd came out from Jerusalem to meet him. I've never seen our people so happy, especially in Jerusalem. The Pharisees made a feeble attempt to stop us. They told Jesus to tell us to be quiet. I think they were afraid the Romans would think we were rioting or something like that. But Jesus just said, if they're quiet, the stones will cry out. Yes, it looked like Jesus was going to be swept into office by his huge wave of popular support and the fact that no one, no one could deny his authority. The opposition to Jesus had been gaining traction. I mean, there's a lot of anger and hatred going around, especially those in support of Jerusalem's leadership. But raising Lazarus from the dead was the decisive moment. Turn the tide of support in favor of Jesus as Messiah. No wonder we all waved our palm branches and said, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. filled the sky the day that Jesus died in agony upon the bitter cross they took his body down and laid it in a tomb his friends believed that everything was lost but when that Darkness turned to light For Mary heard her name And saw the living Christ Risen to set the captives free Risen to ransom you 
You know, Cleopas, there was one scene in Jerusalem that still stands out in my mind. Jesus had just run all the corrupt and greedy money changers out of the temple courts. He had flipped over their tables and chased the sacrificial animals out on the street. That moment was great, but it was like a little scary. Oh boy, do I remember. That was the moment when Jesus stood overlooking the temple grounds, his voice booming with kingly authority. He said, my house is to be a sanctuary, a refuge for the prayers of all nations, but you all have turned it into a crime syndicate of greed and corruption. Ooh, what a moment. Yeah, it was amazing. But it's not the scene I'm thinking of. What I remember is that when the dust cleared, there was this group of kids standing there, completely unafraid, and their faces were just like glowing with love for Jesus. Many of them were very young, and as the noise subsided, they got as close to Jesus as they could get. They were cheering at the top of their lungs, Hosanna to the son of David. I still get choked up thinking about that. And oh boy, did the Pharisees get choked up about that as well. <laughs> they told Jesus to shut them up. But he just smiled and said, have you not read the Psalms? From the lips of children and babies, you have brought forth praise. Amen. So good to be here. So I bet you most of us have never heard of this man by the name of George Whitfield. George Whitfield was a very powerful, eloquent minister of the gospel uh, who, who was responsible in the 1700s in Europe and in early America for the proliferation of the gospel. He was charismatic, he was so eloquent that people would come from all over the place, travel days, hours and days, and the churches were not big enough to hold them. So he was one of the first ones to actually have gatherings outside because the churches couldn't hold it. In fact, he has the record in Boston Commons in the state of Massachusetts for the largest gathering at his time, 23,000 there. This big, eloquent voice to command. He went up and down the East Coast preaching the gospel. And when he got to Philadelphia, he was in the audience was a guy by the name of Benjamin Franklin. Now, Benjamin Franklin wasn't a big believer. In fact, he was known as a skeptic. But Benjamin Franklin, again, we're talking in the 1700s, was so moved by George Whitfield's preaching that he actually built him an outdoor pavilion in Philadelphia where he held these meetings where tens of thousands of people would come to listen to the preaching of the everlasting gospel. Quick story about what happened there that leads to the offering appeal. One day, Benjamin Franklin was in the congregation, just like you are, sitting next to a man who had a lot of money. And George Whitfield was giving this offering appeal for the home he had established for wayward boys. They were orphans. And Whitfield was so eloquent that most of the people would empty their pockets and put everything in. He was so 
charismatic. Well, this rich man next to Benjamin Franklin was pouring out his pockets and ready to give everything. But Whitfield's problem was he talked too long that day. And the longer he made the offering appeal, this rich man decided to put some money back in his pocket. And the longer Whitfield talked, he put a little more money back in his pocket. And then finally, when the ushers came to receive the offering, the rich guy whispered to Benjamin Franklin, I think I'm going to take some money out of the plate. Because, so we're not going to do that here. We're just going to say, suffice to say that the needs of the church continue to be great. Your financial needs are great, as are mine. The dollars doesn't go as far as it used to, does it? Thank you for your continued sustaining and consistent support here. Let us pray as we receive the offerings. Heavenly Father, you are the great giver, and we only give in response to all you have given. Receive now these gifts as an expression of our grateful appreciation. In Christ's name, amen.
I was there. I was there. I saw him suffer. I saw him die. And I saw his mother there too, her, eye, her cries growing faint, her tears mixing with Jesus' blood on the ground. She looked like she was dying. I really don't know how she did it, except that she still really believed in Jesus somehow. And even while he was dying, Jesus looked after her. He asked John to take care of her. It was horrible, the blood. And yet I also remember his words of forgiveness. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Cleopas, I still can't figure it out. What does it mean? Why did it happen? Uh, I've, I've heard the 12, 11 disciples talking about some supper in an upper room. Jesus took the Passover bread and the Passover wine and he, he said they represented his, his body and his blood. Something, something about a new covenant, I... Mary, I, I don't get it either. At the time, it was this crushing defeat for us. I mean, the Romans used crucifixion to break the will of their enemies. But it didn't work this time. Jesus was not defeated. He, he died victorious. It is finished, he said just before he died. I know what I thought at that time. We're all finished. This is the end of our faith, the end of our hope. No more Messiah, no more kingdom of God. No more hopes of freedom from the Roman Empire. How could God let us down like this? Of course, now I realize that God was turning the worst thing into the best thing. Oh, I remember wondering, what happened? What happened to the, the popular support, the train of people with their palm branches? What happened to the invincible Jesus, the king who rode into Jerusalem fulfilling prophecy? What happened to his power and authority when he cleansed the temple. I mean, even when he died, I still believed he was the Messiah. I, I just believed the Messiah had lost. I thought we had played unwittingly into the hands of the authorities. They bought an informant, someone from our inner circle, to, to give him up. And from there, all they needed was an excuse to arrest him. I guess this uh, cleansing of the temple was, his ex was their excuse. I know, I know. What I couldn't understand was why Jesus let it all happen. When he cleansed the temple, nobody dared oppose him, not even the temple police. I mean, of course, we now know that he did let it happen. He died for us. He even died for those who killed him. So I spent uh, part of the week thinking deep thoughts this week. Uh, in my mind, I was comparing, uh, of all things, Easter to Christmas. And I asked myself the question, which is it that gets top billing? Christmas or Easter? The word Christmas is not in the Bible, neither is the word Easter, but certainly in the Bible is the birth of Christ and the crucifixion and the resurrection. The realities of the two are there. There are about two paragraphs in all of Holy Writ devoted to the birth of Christ. About 40% of the gospel stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are devoted to the crucifixion and the death of Christ. 
this gives an idea of the importance the scripture places upon the death versus the birth. Perhaps that's why the apostle said, I delivered to you of first importance. What is that? That Christ was crucified, he died, was buried, and rose again of first importance, he said. He went on in the same chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, to say, if Christ be not risen, then our faith is in vain. Then death is the end. But in fact, he has been risen. And so we are gathered today to worship, and we will soon pray prayers to the risen one. There is a beautiful symmetry in Scripture, thinking about the birth uh, the birth versus the death. He was born of a virgin womb. At death, he was placed in a virgin tomb. At birth, he was cared for by a just man by the name of Joseph. In death, he was cared for by a just man by the name of Joseph. You remember? Joseph of Arathema. At the birth, angels proclaimed the birth. At his death, angels were there to proclaim the resurrection. Forty days after his birth, he was taken to the temple in Jerusalem, there to be consecrated and dedicated. Forty days after his death, you remember what happened? He ascended into heaven, there for the purpose of going not to the old Jerusalem, but to the new Jerusalem for the purpose of consecration. Of Christ it is written, he doeth all things well. In terms of my priorities and emphasis, I wonder if I may have to rethink what gets top billing. Is it Christmas or is it Easter? I want you to join with me now as we uh, kneel together, if you're able, and as we together as a congregation offer a prayer to the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are your children, and we thank you for the love of God that has been demonstrated in the life, in the death, and the resurrection of our risen Savior. We sing with the angels, Hosanna to the King. We sing with the angels, Alleluia, Alleluia. He is risen. We confess to you our sins today, and we acknowledge our shortcomings and failures we have not been what we ought to have been. We have fallen short of your divine glory. We confess to you today our need for a Savior, and we acknowledge our faults. We acknowledge the one who has come into the world, who lived and who took upon himself our guilt. He is a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Thank God. We thank God today for the love that was demonstrated in the cross. And we reaffirm our belief that he came for such as I. This is what binds us. We are sinners, but we are also forgiven, and we glory in that. And this morning, as we look to the resurrection, we look also to the first day of the week where he rose 
and uh, where he ascended and where he is alive evermore, seated at the right hand. We acknowledge your goodness and we pray for the continued blessing of God in all things. We have our challenges, but we have the sustaining presence of a God who loves us and who has promised to be with us always, even unto the end. Hear our prayer as we acknowledge your goodness and as we acknowledge our faith in the risen Christ and as we offer this prayer in his good and strong name. Amen. I was in a state of shock and despair when we left Jerusalem. It was the first day of the week, and it was time to head home after Passover. We kept our heads down, hoping the authorities wouldn't recognize us. Other people were leaving too, so we were lost in the crowd at first. And that crowd quickly thinned out, and we found ourselves alone on the road. I remember being so sad, but needing to, to process what had happened. Why, God? Why? We moaned. And then what happens next? As we walked close together, our eyes on the road in front of us, a stranger caught up with us. He wasn't threatening, but under the circumstances, he seemed a little nosy and a bit too friendly. Uh, normally, I would welcome the company of fellow travelers on such a journey, but not that day. I was lost in the darkness and the despair. My eyes were full of tears, and I could barely see the road, much less look at a stranger and carry on a conversation. So he comes up to us and says, friends, what are you thinking about so intensely? And we both come to a sudden stop. I mean, I remember thinking the nerve of this guy. He's coming from Jerusalem. We're coming from Jerusalem. He has to know what we're thinking about. My wife just witnessed the crucifixion of a loved one up close and personal. My thought was, where have you been, dude? But out loud I say, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who is oblivious to the horrible things that have happened? He seemed like he was concerned, but peaceful. I thought it was a little too pleasant. However, considering everything that we had just been through, I couldn't even look up. And I was keeping my head covered as is proper for a woman in public. Uh, but I told him we had been talking about Jesus, the prophet, the one who had been so powerful in the way he had talked and in what he had done. So we go and tell him the whole sad story, how the chief priests and rulers of our people handed over Jesus to be sentenced and crucified. Some of our women then come back from the tomb just this morning with this crazy story. They've seen some kind of vision of angels. I don't know if they saw something or if they saw anything. But then some of the menfolk go and check, and they see the same thing. The tomb is empty, and we don't know what to make of it. We started walking again. I thought maybe the stranger would go away after having to hear that sad tale, but he kept walking with us. He seemed strangely familiar, but different from anybody that we had ever seen. And he starts talking. Oh boy, this guy could talk. He starts talking about Moses. He starts talking about the prophets. I thought at first he was giving us this history lesson, which I was not in the mood for. We did not appreciate that. But the more he talked, the more interesting it got. 
I couldn't fathom how the, the history of Israel could help us through another failure. I mean, I know our history is full of failures. Failure to keep the covenant, failure to listen to the prophets when they said we were headed for exile, and now failure to recognize the Messiah and make him our king. But we never expected the Messiah to fail. After Jesus rode into Jerusalem on such a huge wave of popular support. <laughs> popular support? People are so fickle. I know. But even his opposition melted away when he cleansed the temple. But that's just the thing. Jesus could have become king right then and there if he wanted to. He had the power. And then this stranger on the road helped us to see something else in our history, something else in the prophets that we'd never seen before. He said it was no accident that the Messiah had to suffer. In fact, that was kind of the plan. He had to suffer? I didn't like that idea. But the more that he talked, the more it made sense. The reason Jesus went to the cross and was buried was because it was God's plan. Right, but, you know, we want to be careful about that. It's not that God was doing evil to his son. This is God laying himself down voluntarily. Took our worst so he, he could give us his best. The way to glory was through suffering. I think you're getting a little ahead of yourself there, Cleopas. There's no way we could have understood all of that in that moment. Right, but don't you remember how our hearts burned within us as we listened to him? I know, I know. But we have to get to the best part. Right, right, right. So we invite him in for this meal. We thought he was just traveling on. And we start the meal with a moment of prayer like usual. And there he was. He broke the bread, blessed it in that familiar way. It was Jesus, Messiah. We finally recognized him. We were so shocked and amazed. We had no idea what to say. And then it was like he had completed his mission. He disappeared. And we were alone again, but not alone. We thought about what it meant for the Messiah to suffer and then enter into glory. How can a cross be a pathway to glory?
Jesus is risen from the dead. We have to go back, we thought. We gotta run back to Jerusalem. We have to tell the others the good news. He's alive, he's risen. And boy, did we cover ground that night. We forgot how tired and depressed we had been. We only knew we had to get back to that upper room and tell the other disciples that Jesus is alive. We saw. Oh yes, praise God we saw him with our own eyes. He broke the bread for us. He gave it to us. How's that even possible? It's impossible. I saw him die, but it happened. Jesus is alive and we're running those seven miles back to Jerusalem. Oh, my savior and my God. And we made it. It's a wonder we didn't turn an ankle in the dark, but God gave us protection and he gave us speed. And we bang on that upper room door, hoping they were still there. I mean, everyone been talking about getting out of town, lying low for a while. Thank God they were all there. Well, except for Thomas. Uh, when they opened the door, uh, we burst in, ready to tell our story. And before we can say anything, the whole group is all over us, hugs and tears, and saying, it's true, it's true. Simon saw him. The Lord is risen. The Lord is risen. Now, I know what you're thinking. You wonder why Mary Magdalene can see the Lord and no one believes her. And that Peter sees him and all of a sudden everybody believes. Well, almost everybody. But I can tell you, we didn't care one bit about who saw him first. We were just happy, deliriously happy that Jesus was alive. And the truth is, you have all of us as witnesses now. And some of you still don't believe. And so we finally get to tell our story, how we met him on the road. And everyone laughed, and everyone cried, and gave glory to God. But all of a sudden, I look up, and, and there he is, right there, standing in the middle of the room. It was amazing, but again, a little scary. Uh, after all, the doors were locked because we were a little afraid, so there was no normal way for a person to just appear like that. And yet, still, some of us didn't believe. And Jesus was so gentle with us. He could see all those loud expressions of joy and amazement were hiding some pretty serious doubts. So he assures us he's not a ghost. And he's not an angel and says, guys, look at my hands and feet. It's really me. And could you give me something to eat? Like any human, I'm hungry and I need to eat food. See? But then an even more amazing thing happened. I'm not even sure I understand it. Jesus gathered us close together. We were close enough to him that we could feel his breath. He said he was breathing the Holy Spirit on us. And then he told us to forgive sins.
So here we are in the upper room now, a week after Jesus' resurrection. I see the others taking their places. The room is buzzing with excitement and hope. We're so glad that you guys are all here. We were hoping that you would come. And look, there's Thomas, praise God. The room just got silent. He, ooh, he looks a little self-conscious. We've all told him Jesus is alive, but the man won't believe until he has proof. First-hand proof, he says. I know how he feels. I was with the women at the cross, but I didn't see the empty tomb or Jesus rise. Yes, I heard Mary Magdalene's story. She's a wonderful person and a loyal disciple, but I figure she's just one person with an unbelievable story. I wasn't there. So I figured, how do I know if she didn't just imagine the whole thing to deal with all the horror and grief? I mean, I agree, we all had our doubts. Thomas is in a different position though. He's had all of us telling him we've seen Jesus face to face, we've eaten with him, interacted with him. I mean, it doesn't get more real than that. You'd think a fellow would give his friends a little more respect. A little more respect, a good point, Cleopas. But maybe in the end, it's not about respecting your friends. I think it's about respecting what Jesus tried to tell us long before he went to the cross. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Remember when he walked with us on that road to Emmaus? He didn't reveal himself to us then. I think because if he had, we wouldn't have heard a word he said. And what he said was about things he'd been talking about the whole time. That Messiah had to suffer, that that was the plan. It was the only way. Maybe if we listened to him, we wouldn't have been so crushed on that road. But thank God that Jesus understands and forgives our failures. Look, I think I see Jesus now. Yes. Yes, it's just like last week. The doors are locked and yet there he is. Oh, oh boy, Thomas looks frightened. Maybe he thinks it's a ghost or, or a prank. Jesus is saying something. Can you hear him? Peace be with you. Jesus says that to you and he says that to all of us. Look, he's talking to Thomas. He's saying, put your finger here, feel my hands. Take your hand and feel my side. You don't have to doubt any longer. You can believe.
Amen. I love that story of Thomas, Thomas and Jesus, because it lets us know what Jesus does when we have doubts. Has anyone here struggled with doubt? There Thomas was with these questions, with so much flooding his mind, and what Jesus does in response is, hear, look, touch, see, experience me. And I love that about Jesus, that in response to doubt, in response to this lack of belief from this one who followed and lived with him, walked after him, had the dust from Jesus on him, ate meals with him, elbow to elbow with him. In response to this, Jesus is tender and he reveals himself again. And I love that about Jesus. But what comes next is the blessing. And it's a blessing for you and I. What he says to Thomas, you now have believed because you've seen. But blessed are you who have not seen and yet believe. This is Jesus' blessing over you and over me. Because there are things we have not seen. There are things that we have to take as an act of faith. This story that we've told today, which is the foundation of Christianity, it is the foundation of our faith that Jesus came, that he lived, that he died, that he rose again, that he is returning again. This is the foundation of our story, but we have to believe without seeing. You weren't given anything when you came in today, but you have something. There are all sorts of things that we have experienced this past year since this last resurrection celebration. There are things perhaps that you have experienced in these last couple years as we've been going through this particular season. There are things that have died inside of you. There are dreams that have died. There are people close to you that have died. There are ways that you saw yourself that have died. And you are not the same. Something has shattered. But what Jesus does when our vision is obscured, when we don't have the ability to see past, he comes and he shows himself to us again. That's what he does. We had the great gift and journey of walking with Mary and Cleopas on this journey with Jesus. And we forget that they didn't know the end when they started. We look at Jesus' teachings and we're like, how could you have missed it? But in that very moment, all they could see was the tomb because their vision was obscured. They only saw the tomb. You're like, man, I can't believe, but imagine them. They didn't know. Yes, they saw Jesus, but all they saw was that their hope had died. But when the tomb obscured their vision, Jesus, once again in their journey, showed himself to them. So I'm wondering for you, what did you bring here? Hold out your hands with me for a moment. And though they might be empty with what we see with our eyes, there are all sorts of things that are there with us. All sorts of things that obscure our vision. What's your tomb? What's blocking your belief? What are the unknowns that are 
preventing you from seeing and believing today? The invitation is to believe, yes. The invitation is to know that the tomb is empty. But what did you carry in here that's blocking your vision? What I'm inviting you today is to come forward and to surrender that and to look, to pause, and to say before the open tomb, I believe. For some of us, that's going to be a severe act of faith because right now your vision is blocked. Your reality has been shattered. You are not sure, and that's okay. But I invite you to take a journey, just like Mary and Cleopas, and to walk forward to say, this is what's blocking my view. I don't know how this situation is going to turn out. I, I don't know what I believe about this, 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 and this, Jesus. I don't know what's going to happen with this loved one. Whatever it is that's blocking your view, I want you to put it down before Jesus, to look at the empty tomb and to say, as an act of faith today, I declare, I believe. So during this song, as we hear the choir, I invite you to make your way forward and to just bring whatever it is in your hands and to lay it before our God. rising your seat you declare today that you believe that you say with all of Christianity today Jesus is risen that again I just want to invite you to make your way forward to the front if you especially want to declare that today if you need prayer today if you need to declare I believe even after all I've gone through even after what this year has been I declare today in faith I believe
Jesus, I thank you for making a way for us. I thank you that in this journey that we can turn to you with whatever we have. There are some of us coming with both belief and doubt today and we're so grateful that you are big enough to handle that. So I pray that you would show yourself again for some, this was a dramatic act of faith, standing to their feet or coming forward after what they've been through. I see some who have lost loved ones. God, I see some who have seen the worst parts of humanity and suffering and who have served with such an outpouring of your love. I pray for a restoration. I pray for a renewal in our hearts even now. We believe we stand and declare with Christians all around the world this weekend saying, we believe. And at the same time, knowing that you can help any unbelief that is in us. So we believe, we declare God that we believe. And we are so thankful that you lived and died, rose again and are coming again. So my prayer right now is in blessing over each one, especially those with open hands right now and open hearts, God, who are asking especially, bringing to you something that only you know that is on their heart. We just take a moment longer to linger in your presence as we talk to you specifically about that. our homes or in this sanctuary, there you are. May we leave now today with hearts lifted because of hope, because of Jesus. We love you and we long for you. In your name we pray. Amen. May God bless you each one as you leave from this place, but never from the presence of the living God. <laughs>